Hello everyone, welcome back to Point of Insanity Game Studios and Geekery in General Podcast. I am Al, and you know, one of the things you always gotta do when you're making a, when you're playing a role-playing game, I don't care what one it is, you gotta make a character. So that is going to be our topic for today. And helping me with this topic is someone who's certainly a real character in his own right. Dan from Radio Free Borderlands. How's it going tonight, Dan? Fatality! <laughs> you just be a character. I had to play the part. You you just you're just looking for excuses to play with all your knobs, right? Maybe. <laughs> well, anyways, yeah, and we. I admit it. Yes, that is true. At least, you, at least you admit that you enjoy playing around with knobs, right? Well. Anyway. Yep. So we finally are uh, up and recording here because uh, uh, we would have started probably around twenty minutes or so ago, but it's like then I opened up Skype and Skype like needed to, you know updated and the program that I use that uh, to record my my podcast over Skype, that program needed to update, and it's like, you know, with Skype, they changed everything around, so it's like, oh, jeez, and, you know, I don't know if I'm the only one that really gets annoyed by this, but... You know what you should do? What's that? You should go, like, full-on, do do your your, uh, recording hipster style. What you do is you just... You, you just uh, use a uh, old uh, tape boombox and, and use the microphone on there because because that's the way that you know it, it's better that way according to the hipsters. But it would sound like crap. Well, well, yeah, but they drink Pabst. <laughs> oh, I see. I gotta do it. You that just say way. like I'm doing it. You know, oh, you, you using digital recorders it's so mainstream i'm using tape cassettes <laughs> you know and the thing about tape cassettes it's like you know if you, usually when they were really you know when they're new they sound okay but yeah after you listen to them for a while you start to get that you know that s- white noise in the background which no <laughs> You get all those hipsters and those people, the, the pseudo audiophiles who talk about how great record albums are. Oh, you got to listen to things on vinyl. Well, vinyl's just popping and hissing too. You know, unless you have them for a $2,000 turntable, which most of us don't. So it's, I mean, every, every type of, of, of audio medium is going to have its, its foibles. You know, tape had the hiss and vinyl had the pop and eight tracks, you know, they, they got. They got eaten and destroyed and sometimes set on fire because of it. Well, tapes, you had that problem, too, where sometimes your player would eat the tape, but usually, as long as the tape didn't break, you could usually use a pencil to fix that. It's like, you know, there's that picture that goes around Facebook every now and then. It has, like, a picture of a pencil and a cassette tape, and it says, share if you know the connection between these two items. And there was, like, another one where it's like a... A, a tape being brought into a, an emergency room, and of course the doctors are all tape cassettes, and someone's grabbing a pencil because his guts are all hanging out. They should call that PTTD, post-traumatic tape disorder. Uh, the struggles that youth of today will never have to know, unless you nah. like, 
unless you still listen to cassette tapes around your kids. I don't know. I yeah, don't. to have it easy. You didn't have tape cassettes. You just have crippling college debt. Yeah, that's true. So, so you'd rather have cassette tapes than crippling college debt. Any damn day <laughs> of the year. Well, you know, that does bring up an interesting uh, question before we start the topic. And I don't know if I've ever asked you this question or not, but many, 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 many episodes ago, uh, Steve and I, we did an cut two-parter on changing technology where we talked mm-hmm. about how, you know, we look back at our course of our lives. You know, we've seen TV go from you know, black and white to high definition. And, you know, we've seen portable media players go from the Walkman to the Discman to MP3 players. And then, you know, video games, we saw it go from the Atari to the Nintendo and the 8-bit and 16-bit and finally our disc-based systems. So just out of curiosity, are you glad that you grew up when we did, that we had a chance to witness this gradual evolution, or do you kind of wish you were born a little bit later where you had a chance to, you know, grow up with, you know, the Xbox and the PlayStation and MP3s rather than, you know, having to deal with some of the more primitive technologies and the drawbacks that went along with that? I can't answer that, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Uh we had stuff that, yeah, to to kids today would seem primitive, but we didn't have to worry about certain things that they do. Um, we can look on, back on on things, you know. Oh, you can these, you, you, you know, post millennials or whatever they want to call these the, the kid kids now. You know, you got it easy. You didn't have to deal with this, this, or this. But so, when you look at some of the stuff they have to deal with because of the technology, sometimes. I is like no thanks, no, well, not including no thanks. things, not including things like the crippling student loan debt. I'm just talking about no. Like, I'm talking about like, like the constant social media, like the the fact that there are a lot of kids that are high schoolers, middle schoolers that are that get harassed, and the only thing they can do is is completely remove themselves. And I know there are a lot of people that say, well, then fine, remove yourself. What's the problem? Don't be a wimp. But, you know, that is a big deal to, to kids this, you know, this day. It would be like saying people have been crank calling, you know, back in our day, it would be the same as, as saying people have been crank calling me every night for the past two months. Well, just disconnect your phone and don't ever have a phone, you know. It, so with with everything that we look at as they got it so much easier, they have all new problems to deal with. So. I mean, I, I've, I've had to sit and I've, I've often listened to a lot of people who like to go off about millennials this, millennials that, baby boomers this, baby boomers that. And it's like, no, 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 no. I, I, everybody's got their, I mean, everybody's got their own problem. Besides, we're stuck in the middle. Yeah, you're, that you do bring a good they point. They really eh? forgot about it. Yeah. Time I've heard people mention about, like, you know, what does Generation X think about this? They don't. We don't exist. <laughs> yeah, and, and you, you do make a good point. Every generation certainly has its problems. And when you talk about bullying, how, um, you know, back then it's like, okay, yeah, but if, you know, maybe you did have someone that was prank calling you, 
but you reported it to the telephone company and they would crack down on them for that. But, you know, usually you didn't have to worry about the class bully, you know, unless, you know, you he lived in your neighborhood, uh, you know, usually you didn't have to worry about him as much after school. But you're right, mm-hmm. with social media, you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, you have to, you know, they can cyber bully you from across the planet if they need to. So and 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 as much as people like to think otherwise, it's not that easy for these kids to just completely disconnect from all that stuff. Yeah, and I think that you know the people who say, "Well, if you're being bullied, you know, just ignore it." And it's like, okay, you've probably never been bullied before, and it's one of those things where you know, not necessarily true. I I have a theory. It's either people who who haven't been, people who were them, or people who are putting up a false facade of, of toughness because they don't want to admit that when it happened to them 20, 30 years ago, it hurt. See, I see that a lot. A lot of the people, I mean, I've, I've known people who had it as bad as us or worse, and they say this stuff, and it's just like... You, you can see right through it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that is true. And again, a, a very good point that, um, I mean, I, it, not everyone can deal. Well, it's just we all have different ways to deal with problems in our life. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, sometimes people take the more destructive path, you know, with drugs or alcohol, uh, cutting themselves. But let's talk yeah. about a happier way that I know for me that helped me deal with some of the bullying and some of the social issues I had when I was younger. Role playing games. So I wasn't that, expecting that. What's that? I wasn't expecting that. You weren't expecting that tangent we went on, or no, no, I wasn't expecting that. That's what made it better. I, I, I thought it was the secret fight club you set up in your garage. It's secret. You're that's you're not supposed to know about that. Right. Right, 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 right. Wait right, a second. Okay. If it's secret and you're not supposed to know about it, how do you know about it? I can't tell you. That's a secret. <laughs> but uh, just one more th- uh, tangent before we go on to our show here. And one of the things you did mention is that us as Gen Xers, no one really cares about us and it's interesting a, a friend less, of our less less that than I I feel like like the news likes to focus on millennial versus baby boomers. And it's because the millennials were born from the baby boomers. And we are a considerably smaller demographic than either of those. And I think when they did try to focus on us, it backfired. Yeah, and- Gen X really cynical, you know? Yeah, yeah we are. And one of the reasons that, Gen Xers do tend to be a bit cynical is we grew up, I think they're saying it's like we grew up with the first generation that was expected to be worse off than our parents did. Um, And again, I think that one of the things that concerns me about, you know, our kids and the younger generation is they're going to, they, they might have it even worse because again, we, we kind of joked about it before the crippling student loan debt, but that is a very serious issue. Um, Because I think they were saying that, I forgot where I read it, but like there was some article that they're saying the average 
student nowadays graduates with, uh, it's like $350 a month of student loan payments. And, you know, you think, yeah, that does saddle you down because, you know, you think about it, well, that's $350 a month you can't put into savings. That's, you know, $350 a month you can't put towards buying a house. And you're hoping that you'll get a job that, you know, makes it worth having invested all that money. So, you know, okay, yeah, you spend 10 years or so paying it off, but then you'll be okay. Um, But again, another one of the problems is just, and again, people have pointed this out, you know, many, many times is that part of the problem is, okay, cost of living is going up, cost of you know, the cost of education is going up, but wages haven't kept up with the everything else going up. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the dream was always, okay, you go to college, you get an education, and yeah, you have to worry about student loan for a few years, but because you have a college degree, you're going to get a better paying job that's going to make it easier for you to pay that off. But unfortunately, that's becoming um, less of a reality and more of a fantasy for, for some people. But I don't know, maybe we'll discuss that topic another day, you know, we being a Gen Xer, but let's get back to today's topic. So before, yeah. <laughs> so before we discuss our topic, just a quick announcement. Welcome to Boundary Throwers Theater. Nah, it's not that kind of show. It's an RPG actual play podcast. My name is Jordan, and I'm joined by our fun-loving cast. This is Aaron. Jeff here. Johnny is my name. And I'm Jeremy. And what we do is dive in and play various tabletop RPG systems and games, such as Mini 6, Fiasco, Inspectors, Monster of the Week, Fate, and more. But no matter the rule set or setting, some pretty intense storytelling hits the fan. So whether you like epic fantasy, adventure, comedy, sci-fi, horror, or just horrifically bad puns, we've got something to feast your imagination on. Listen to our full episodes and more at BoneThrowersTheater.com. And may the bones fall ever in your favor. And we're back. So characters and role-playing games go together. You know, they, they're like chocolate and peanut butter. You know, you can't have one without the other. Or what's that song, Love and Marriage, that used to be for Married with Children? That, that was Frank Sinatra before it was for Married with Children. <laughs> yeah. So, You're killing me. what's that? You're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, so when you make a character, there's a lot of places you can go for inspiration. But... One of the places that people like sometimes... Like Peter Cetera? Pardon? Like Peter Cetera? Yeah, okay, sure. I don't know who you know, Peter... from Chicago? I don't know He's who Peter... He's the inspiration. Oh, you're talking you about know? Chicago the band. Yes. Dan, you're making me look bad. Quit it! I'm making you look bad. You should know these things. <laughs> yes, we we're That's just... Okay. Re- I, you know what? There are probably people going, oh, my God, he just talked about Chicago. <laughs> well, anyways, so one way that people can look for inspiration for a player character is by basing their character for Dungeons and Dragons or Fate, 
world of darkness, uh, whatever system they're playing, they they use another fictional character as the inspiration for their fictional character. So it's something that I think it can be done well, it can be done very poorly. And the thing that actually inspired me to do this topic is this guy I'm talking to right now. <laughs> and what was that like a sign? Yes. Like I'm getting blamed for that. <laughs> and, like like you know, send all complaints this way. No, 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 no. <laughs> but the thing that inspired why I said Dan made me think about this topic and inspired me about it is on his own podcast, Radio Free Borderlands, uh, a few episodes ago, he did an episode chatting with the new, the newest of newbies, and because you mentioned that your your kids, you recently introduced them to Dungeons and Dragons by doing a fifth edition adventure with them, and. Your son used Link from Legend of Zelda as his primary inspiration for his character. I prefer the term ripoff. <laughs> inspiration sounds better. Ripoff. I'm being honest. Inspiration. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> so we'll talk a little bit about that later on, but we're going to go back to the past, back to our middle and high school years. Because this is actually one of the things that got me thinking about this as well. Because, uh, again, when I listened to your episode, uh, also my son used a fictional character as inspiration for a D&D character he created. But going back to our childhood years, we actually had a, well, a friend. He was a friend back then, but uh, we have neither of us have associated with him in, for a long, long time. But we had a friend that he would use the Lone Wolf series for inspiration for a lot of his characters or some of his characters. And now for those who maybe aren't familiar with the, what we're talking about here, uh, Lone Wolf was a series of game books. I mean, there were some novels that supported it as well, but uh, there was a, what I most know it for, and I think what some people are most familiar with it, uh, there were the game books, because you remember the Choose Your Own Adventure books, right? Yep. So, again, for those too young to remember, the way Choose Your Own Adventure books worked is they weren't, med- they weren't meant to be read from cover to cover like a normal book. But what you would do is you'd read the book, and then it'd get to a point where it'd be like, okay, do you go down the left path? Or do you go down the right path? And then it would say, like, if you choose the left path, go to page 42. If you choose the right path, go to page 78. And, uh, you know, they were interesting because, of course, there were multiple endings in there. Uh, Usually, depending on the book, sometimes your character can meet a very sad end. Otherwise, sometimes he would, uh, you know, actually make it through. And now, did you ever read any of those Choose Your Own Adventure books back then? Yeah, um, but it was the actual Choose Your Own Adventure series. I had a couple of the Endless Quest books, but um, and then I, I found some of the Lone Wolf books a few years back at a used bookstore. Yeah, and I know there was also another series that Steve and I used to list to like to read. Uh, was Wizards and Warriors and You, and that took place in a world called Silvergate, 
And when, back when we were kids, we actually tried making our own D&D adventures in that setting. But the one that was fun about that one is, well, you chose either the wizard or the warrior. And then you, if you were the warrior, you had three different weapons you could choose. to. Well, you had to choose three weapons. Um, and I think there were like six or seven different weapons you could choose. And then like the wizard had like his spells and you chose which spells you wanted. And then depending on what you, uh, you know, what the situation is, depending, you know, your survival could depend on what spells or weapons you brought with you. Uh, there was also one based on the uh, famous uh, test that Raceland took for the Tower of High Sorcery called the Soul Forge. And that one, again, was a bit more like a game because you actually needed a D6 for that. And again, you chose your, you know, you chose your, your spells. And then, again, it, now, by any chance, have you ever read the Soul Forged or the Soul Forge? Um, if you're talking about the Endless Quest book, I have not, I've never seen a copy of it available. There was also a novel later on called that, but that's, it's very different. Yeah. And again, the way the soul, the way soul, I almost said, I keep saying the soul forge, but isn't that the name of, of a blind guardian song? Um, and it's the name of the later book. <laughs> so, but what you would do is, you know, it made you keep track of your hit points. And then like there were certain spe- areas where it's like, okay, let's say you're going to cast a sleep spell on an enemy. You would roll D6. And it's like, if you get this to this, you succeed this to this, you fail. The Lone Wolf series had a similar mechanic where you would, you know, where you would choose uh, what weapons you wanted to take. You kept track of your gold. You had to keep track of your food, your health. And then, now, Lone Wolf didn't really have spells, at least not as I would define them, because the author of Lone Wolf actually described the the Kai Lords, that would, that's what they were called, as psychic rangers. So they're actually more similar to a ranger, but they had psychic powers instead of magic. And uh, actually, they are coming out with a new Lone Wolf video game. I don't know if you were heard about that or not. I hadn't, but I knew that there was going to be a new tabletop RPG based on it. Yep, there is a... Yep, there is a, a Kylord role-playing game. Not sure what it's called, but I know they are... They did make a... They did make a uh, tabletop game based on it. I know there were some older computer games for the Spectrum XZ. Uh, and then, yeah, they're, I think the one that they're coming out now, I know it's going to be released on the Switch. I don't know if it's going to any of the other systems. But this friend that we gamed with back then, um, now, do you remember when you first started gaming with him? Uh, it was a long time ago. I know he was a big fan of those books. Yeah, because I was actually friends with him, I think, before you were. Yeah. And then you were friends with him after uh, longer than I, a little longer than I was because we had a kind of a falling out near the end of my junior year in high school. And I think you st- – did you still remain friends with him till the end of high school or uh, – Yeah, it's just the way things happen, yeah. I got no ill will. But as you said, he was a big fan of these Lone Wolf books, so what he would often do is he would try to uh, make his characters based off of the characters in Lone Wolf. Uh, The three that I remember, there was Lone Wolf, which, as I recall, he originally played it more like a fighter mage thief, 
I'm not sorry, not a fighter mage thief, a fighter, I think like a fighter mage cleric. Um, and then there was another character I think was named like Pado, who was a paladin, and then Greystar, who was a wizard. Um, do you remember any of the other characters he used to create based off of the Lone Wolf stuff? No, those are the only ones I I, I recall. I, 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 I'm not going to get into that, the whole thing about the split classic. Well, this this guy that we used to game with, he was a bit of a power gamer, I guess you could say. Yeah, but you couldn't split class unless you were non-human. But it was a Kylord. He was actually making it like the Kylord as a new class. Um, so again, back then, he was trying to do a homebrew. And I don't know how much you remember of it. I think he always made it a little bit overpowered. Well, that's what high schoolers are want to do. <laughs> yes, exactly. We had some pretty epic Monty Hall campaigns back then. But, well, that brings us one of the questions to examine. So what do you think are some of the challenges of using a fictional character to create uh, a D&D or a role-playing game character? Well, right off the bat, I'm going to tell you, you, you got to watch out for being a blatant copy. And... In a, you know, your own personal table, that's your prerogative, but at what point then does it become no fun? Because you're not playing a character that you've come up with yourself. You're playing a character that somebody else made a long time ago. Okay. And, see, and I guess the way I see it, it's a problem as far as whether it can be done successfully or not. It's a matter of... Are you making the character conform to the rules, or are you trying to make the rules conform to the character? And I think that's one of the biggest challenges, because some fictional characters might not necessarily translate well into uh, D&D, just as, you know, because we played that a lot, or... You know, maybe it might not transfer very well into a world of darkness or, uh, you know, Marvel superheroes or whatever role-playing game system that you like. And I, I think you brought up a good point where part of the problem is you're always tempted to make like a really ultra-powerful class. And I know that's what he kind of tried to do. Yeah, and... You're not going to create a character based on somebody else if it's not because of a an affection, for lack of a better term. So you're always going to want that character to be seen in the positive light. So, for example, if, if you're going out of your way to make a PC based on Sabin from Final Fantasy VI, you obviously like the character enough that you're not going to give him any negative negative traits am i wrong i mean and and a more mature player might but going back to a 16 year old kid maybe not well i'm going to correct you on something dan sabin had no negative traits that's the thing really really i mean come on you really he had no negative traits he was a very skilled martial artist he was you know kind of humble and uh, you know, he could suplex. He was guile a, in a muscle shirt. He could suplex a he was guile train. In a muscle shirt. He was guile in a muscle shirt. No, no, he wasn't guile. He suplexed a train. Really? When has guile ever su- suplexed a f- train? And guile, let me tell you right off the bat, guile 
it, it, it was the character in that game that I would ban because he was the cheapest of the cheap, 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 even <laughs> cheaper than. Oh, don't get me started there. No, 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 no. Saban had his faults. Okay. Well, anyways, we'll get we'll we'll argue about that another day. But yes, Guile can be a pretty cheap character if you know how to play him. Cheap, but cheap, 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 cheap. <laughs> So yeah, that is certainly one of the, the the drawbacks I see is, and it's not just because I mean I guess there's a couple ways you can approach it. You can approach it strictly from the personality, and then you also have to consider the game mechanics. Uh, again, like to use, well, let's use one of our favorite characters, Cup from Transformers. You know, in most Transformers series, Cup is this grizzled old Autobot, and one of the things that I always liked about his character in, especially in the the G1 series, is how he had this tendency to break into a story about, you know, how the current situation reminded him of something from the past. And I don't necessarily see that part of inspiration being a bad thing. I did. I have done it a couple times, mostly with NPCs, where again you've got this, you know, this older adventurer that's with these newer adventurers, and again he's always telling them stories about his past experiences and adventures, whether they want to hear them or not. Now, do you see something that is something like that as being workable, or do you still perceive it as being somewhat of a ripoff? No, personality-wise, that's a little. Here's the thing, though, with Cup, and I'm just going to throw this out there as I, I can see as a potential problem. Um, and again, it depends on the player. Keep that in mind. But what you end up with is Cup was considerably older than the rest of his companions in that movie. Remember. Mm-hmm. So, if 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 you put that kind of a character in the wrong hands, they're going to start demanding, well, I should be like four or five levels higher because I'm older. And then before you know it, there's a power argument. See, and I don't think it necessarily has to be that much where, like I said, if you are taking a cup-like character where you do make him significantly higher level. Because I remember in the D&D, one of the D&D books, uh, for second edition, I think it was the DMG, you know, they were talking about, you know, normal players, normal n- normal people. And they were saying that, like, an army isn't necessarily going to be made up of first-level fighters. There's probably going to be a lot of zero-level people there. So, uh, y- you know, maybe if you've got someone who has more of a rank, like, you know, a sergeant or something might actually be a first-level fighter, and someone who's in command, you know, might only be like third or fourth level. But I could see something like, let's say your campaign is taking place in a small town, and maybe you've got this grizzled old, you know, city guard who he spent most of his life in and around the city. And yeah, he's gotten into some fights here and there, but he hasn't really explored the world at large. So I could see that in a situation where he could be the exact same level as the characters, it's just that he didn't really start actively adventuring until much older in life. Um, you know, because like I, I said... I see that, but... Well, the thing is, is if you're going to put him higher level, you better have a good, good player base. And what I mean by that is... I, like, say you got five play, five PC or pa- players, and and one of them's going to have a character like 
this. I think if the other four are okay with it, you don't have a problem. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To, to set them up higher. So. Yeah, and like I said, I. Yeah, and I don't think, as I said, I don't think it's necessarily, uh, again, in a situation like that where you need to put them, you know, four or five levels higher. I think, you know, the same level or just, you know, one, maybe two levels. But again, yeah, you are right where you do have to be careful because it's really going to depend on your table and whether they, your players mind the fact that, okay, you're going to let, you know, Joe, his character is going to be third level while everyone else starts out at one. Yeah. But I think where the biggest challenge is, it's really not as much the personality, I think, but when you're trying to take a character's skills and try to convert them into a D&D character. Um, again, just to go back to Lone Wolf as an example, uh, he I don't recall him really using heavy armor because, again, they were described as more being like rangers. And he, the um, Actually, I think the guy who wrote the book, he did use the Megamond, I think that was the name of the country. He did use that as the setting for his D&D campaign before he actually turned it into the books. So, I don't know, it just seemed more from what I know about it, he seemed like Lone Wolf was more like a ranger as opposed to a fighter, wizard, cleric that, you know, our friend used to play him as. Mm -hmm. And this is where I say part of the challenge is, in a case like what, you know, this guy used to do, he was not trying to make the character conform to the rules. He was trying to make the rules conform to the character. Because, again, he I think that if he played a ranger, then it could have worked a little better. But, you know, the whole fact that he tried to play it as this multi-class human character, that, I think, didn't really work as well. And um, I know one of the habits he had, and, okay, I admit, I think we've all done this a little bit, too, is of course was second. This is the days of second edition where they were releasing splat books every few months, and he also had this habit of revising his lone wolf character every time there was a new splat book that came out. Even and he would again he would do these combinations even if it says in the rules you can't do it. Like didn't you say like once he his like final version of Lone Wolf that you remembered was like a chaotic good drow psionicist? Yes. Which because isn't it like don't they say like elves can't be psionics or drow can't be psionic? There was rules with drow in alignment. Of course, there was rules with. Psionics and alignment, it, a lot of it did break those rules. But to be fair, to, to be fair to him, um, we weren't very good about following those rules to begin with. I mean, we were probably a little more about like the alignment rule. I think we followed a little bit better. But when it came to race class rules, let's face it, we threw those out the window. Yeah, we. I usually. I don't know. I usually tried to stick pretty close to the race rules. Um, but yeah, I, I do know what you're saying. Yeah, we, we were, were guilty of doing some of the, the rule bending ourselves. It, level limits did not exist in our games. We didn't do those. Yeah, we didn't do that. And to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me if 95% or more gamers out there 
who played first and second edition probably ignored the level limits. Yeah, it's probably that's why it was one of the first things to go when third came around. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that I did like about third is they finally said it's like okay, any class, any race, however high level as you want to go. Mm-hmm. So, have you ever seen any examples of using a character based on a fiction, other fictional character actually working fairly well? Um, it depends on on how you mean that. Um. Well, where the character didn't end up becoming a huge munchkin where, you know, they're like, well, this character in my favorite anime series, he knows martial arts. He can use a two-handed sword. He wears plate mail. He can cast spells, use psionic powers. Well, in that case, I, I, you know, I have. Um, If you consider success having a character that that has its own identity compared to its inspiration, then not. Not, not, not so much. Um, and I mean, not so much as in, you know, what usually ends up happening is the character, if it gains its own personality, a lot of times it goes away from its inspiration. Um, but in, in the case of that person's at least having fun, then, oh, sure, that's, that's success. Now, have you ever used a, have you ever used a, another fictional character's inspiration for uh, one of your characters? Any game system. Does Paul, Paul Stanley count? Well, <laughs> sure. Let's say he counts in this case because, again, you are using a... Because it's Kiss. That's why. It's Kiss. <laughs> um, so you, you tried to make a, a D&D character based on Paul Stanley? Well, sort of, but not really. It was really hard to describe. I don't remember much about it. Um, it was a bard. I remember that. And he had he uh, painted his face in makeup. Yes, in fact, I even painted the miniature with Paul Stanley makeup. I have since repainted it, but you didn't, well, wouldn't you have done like a Gene Simmons one so that way you could do f- fire breathing? No, because even back then I knew Gene Simmons was a. T- tool <laughs> well i tried it uh, i've tried it a couple times here and there I, I think one of my favorite attempts is uh when i after i started playing the super nintendo game ranma one half hard battle one of the and this is the first time i actually i think i learned about this character this is before i learned about him in the anime but moose and his whole thing is he's a magician well, and he specializes in using concealed weapons. So I thought that was kind of a neat idea. I wasn't making my character like Moose, where, you know, he had the nearsightedness and he, you know, where he, uh, you know, where he wasn't, he had a crush on a woman that didn't know he existed. I just liked the idea of how he's got this big billowing robes that he can kind of pull weapons out of. So I remember trying something like that. And, my, I didn't really have much in the way of, like, combat bonuses. I think I put most of my skills, most of my highest ability scores in, like, dexterity and intelligence. And as mm-hmm. I recall, my uh, DM there, it's like, okay, if you want to do this, you have to take the engineering prof- non-weapon proficiency, which is, like, 
I think like three non-weapon proficiency points, which for a fighter, that's like all your starting skill points. Um, you know, all or most of them. So it was more based on like catching people off guard. And the reason he had me take that was to like, you know, okay, design all the little secret harnesses and stuff that would be in his, you know, his costume that would, you know, allow him to try to catch people by surprise. Mm-hmm. So that was a character I didn't really get a chance. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to play too much. But, I mean, I just thought it would be kind of fun doing this Master of Concealed Weapons. Yeah. Um, like, I've loosely based personalities of, of, of fictional characters, but, like, not to a point where you use, like, their name and things. And it's not like, you know, you're playing someone in, like, Oh, please, you're basing that character off of Betty White or something like that. No, yeah. Um, and in some cases, most people didn't really catch it so much. Um, I had an old character that I based his, his personality a little bit on Sam Malone. In the womanizing aspect, at least. Um I had one that had a very a personality that would be very much like Harry Canyon. That one was <laughs> yes, from heavy metal. Yeah, yeah, kind of a defeatist. I'm just here attitude. Just here to do um, a job and get paid. I don't care about the morality aspect. Mm-hmm. Those are just two examples. Yeah. And- I mean, for me, like I said, most of the time I don't uh, use personality. Usually when I'm looking for inspiration for a character, uh, if I'm going to turn to another fictional character, I'm usually more interested in the character concept. Again, like I said, that character I made that was the Master of Concealed Weapons, um, it wasn't you know, so much as I wanted to be like Moose. I just wanted to be a character that could do all these surprise attacks. Mm-hmm. I always went about it more on, and I, I guess I, I consider it a pers- uh, uh, character concept too. But, but I always, it's always by the, it was always by the personality and the motivations of somebody. The idea that made me want to talk about this, and again, you did your episode where you talked to your kids about how, uh, you know, when they were creating their first characters. And I remember your son. Uh, used Link as his inspiration. And your daughter, she didn't really use a specific character, did she? No, she just kind of made something up. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, some of the thought process that your son had when he was designing his character based off of Link? I actually don't know so much. He that That's just who he picked because, I mean, he's a big fanboy. Because what? It, so he was using more like he wasn't really. I want in, this weapon. That's what he uses. I want this armor because that's what he wears. I want this hat because that's what he wears. He has those pointy ears, so I want him to be that because that's what he is. Okay, so he wasn't really using Link's person. Well, then again, in most of the games, they really don't give Link too much of a personality. Yeah, and he did that well too. <laughs> so it was more like, "Hey, I want to be this guy who runs around with this guy with pointy ears who runs around using swords, boomerangs, uh, bows." And did you give him bombs? No. <laughs> well, and again, the other thing that maybe want to think about this is when my son created uh, his first fifth edition character. 
you know, at the time we were both playing a lot of Final Fantasy 15, and he wanted to base his character on Gladius, which uh, again he was using more the like, the concept of the character. Um, when he was trying to play the character, he tried to be kind of like a gruff sounding guy, but the thing he liked about it, and this is where I thought it showed a bit of a intuition and creativity on his part, is okay. He's he was talking with me and the guy who was running the game. Unfortunately, we just played one session. We haven't played since then. But he was like, okay, he uses a shield and a two-handed sword. So, okay, how would I translate that into, you know, D&D? So, of course, he was using the shield and then the a, a bastard sword. But the other thing is um, we were also getting him to think about the archetype that he would want to choose when he got to the higher level, where I think he was saying that if um, if he did get, you know, he was thinking more going with the champion route where they focused more on raw speed and power. But honestly, I think that if you did want to do a character like Gladio, uh, again, who's more or less a royal bodyguard, I think it could actually be done really well with Pathfinder, because um, I know you haven't played Pathfinder yet. And I did play one session of Pathfinder, and one of my friends, he made a character for me. And he asked what type of character I wanted to make, and my character was more or less a shield specialist, where if he was using a shield, he got a, an armor class bonus, but he also had this other skill where he could use a shield to intercept an attack against an adjacent ally. So I think in a system like Pathfinder 3.5, it would, I, I think it would be a little easier to create a Gladius-type character right from the get-go. But I still like it how it caused him to think ahead and really think about, okay, what type of armor and weapons would I need to uh, choose to be similar to this type of character. But going beyond using fictional characters, what are some other sources that you look to for inspiration when you're making a character for a game? You know, again, it's just personalities that that I feel like would be interesting to explore. Um, I don't really base, try to construct a character based on, on, on powers and abilities so much. I mean, I've had too much fun with characters who didn't have a lot of abilities, yet at the same time were very interesting to play without being a complete nuisance. So it's like, that's, that's it's one of the reasons why sometimes the the games where it's all about you know picking the right combat abilities and things like that they don't suit me necessarily because at the end of the day I don't I don't want my character to be just combat. Okay. Um yeah, and I have to admit I am I'm guilty of using splat books as ways to look for inspiration. And it's not always for me just coming down to, okay, if I take this skill, it gives me a plus one. But I do like looking at a lot of the kits in second edition and think, okay, how would I play that character? Not necessarily look at it for, you know, the ones plus ones and plus twos, but rather how could I make an interesting character to play using that particular, uh, you know, character concept. And, yeah, there are some times, I admit, where, you know, just looking through a splat book did give me ideas, uh, like for that campaign I was telling you about where we tried to do with my son, um, 
I, I got Zandahar's Guide to Everything. And I remember looking through that and I saw how they, they're basically reintroducing the blade from second edition. So that inspired me to try to make my character where, again, a bard that would eventually become, I think they call it what, like the College of Swords? Mm-hmm. So, well, any final thoughts on character inspiration and using fictional characters as inspiration for your player characters? Only that the the couple of times where I tried to build a PC based on like, like skills and abilities that you see on screen or whatever, I've given up halfway through because you just get frustrated and just I tear them up and I start over and I don't worry about that part and I actually end up having a lot of fun. Okay. Yeah, and I mean I think it's something that it's not it's not necessarily bad for younger gamers who might not necessarily fully understand creating an original character. So oh, heck no, it's taste. What's that? Personal taste. Yeah. And I mean, I think it can be helpful for the newer gamers. Again, like when I was talking about how my son made his character based on Gladio, he was thinking, he was thinking beyond, you know, the, the plus ones and plus twos. He was also thinking a little bit about personality. And again, he was trying to make the character conform to the game as opposed to making the game conform to the character. So I don't know. I, I mean, I think, of course, once you get, once you get a little bit more experienced in thinking about making a new character, then you want to try to move beyond it. But I don't think there's anything wrong doing it when you're first starting out. I I don't either. So, Dan, if people want to hear you talk about Dungeons & Dragons and occasionally other things, where can they find you? Not at work, because I'm supposed to be dealing with work. You know, people can sometimes find me at work, too, but, yeah, I don't get to talk about games and cool stuff like that at work. No, I I, I deal with a lot of uh, federal regulations and things like that, though. <laughs> so where can people find you if they want to listen to you? Uh, easiest way would just be hop on the Googles, Radio Free Borderlands. Yep, so I'd like to thank you for joining me, Dan, and like to thank all of you for tuning in and listening and have a good evening or morning or afternoon whatever it is wherever you are and happy gaming you have been listening to a program from the point of insanity network visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows follow us on facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio. Do you do a podcast about Dungeons and Dragons, role playing games, video games, or other topics of geek interest? Would you like to cross promote your podcast on geekery in general? Then drop us a line on our Facebook page at POI Game Studio or POI Network, or contact us through our website at POIGamestudio.com, and we'll set something up.